Is there anyone out there? Hello, Hello. and welcome to Podcast for the Lotus Eaters, episode 744 on the 19th of September 2023. I am your host, Dan, and I am joined by the engaging and enigmatic bow. <laughs> enigmatic. <laughs> the superb and scholarly Josh. Hello there. And Harry. Hi. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no adjectives for me. Well, we're on a budget. You know, we can't we can't just go spunking <laughs> off superlatives all over the place. That's where the thesaurus ran out as you were reading well, through, was would it? Would you like someone some had torn some pages out? Russell Brand has well, used given, it up. given that you said that Bo was enigmatic, like some shrouded figure. <laughs> I'll take it. I like that. Right, the, 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 uh, Bo's the one who's really in charge of Lotus. The humble, honest and humunculus Harry. Humunculus. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, yeah, I guess go. I'll take that. Are you happy now? Right, now, as, as you can probably tell, the boss man has gone on holiday, so um, he did say to be on the door. Dan, since you're the oldest, uh, make sure standards don't slip. So I've gone out and bought some beer and nuts. How old are you? Oh, very old. <laughs> <laughs> never ask a man that on a live podcast. I thought it's never ask women their age, not men. Yeah, counts for Dan as well. And Dan, at his sort of age, the wisdom, he should be fine with it. Fine with what? Being told you're old. Oh, yes. Oof. Well, I am. You know, can't, can't really avoid it. There you go. All right. Old. I mean, not, not like boomer old or anything. Just, you know, late Gen X, so... <laughs> All right, let's carry on. Yes. Right. Um, now, we've got to get into um, some... Oh, yes, yes. No, actually, th this is how I wanted to start the segment. So, uh, yes, bo Boss Man has gone on holiday. And um, because he's gone, we were able to hack his laptop and create this. This is uh, our new promotion, uh, Sargon. So while he's enjoying his holiday in the US, um, we are going to have a 50% off um, all subscription tiers, including gold, uh, for the next uh, three months. So, so enter code Sargon and um, yes. Well, I, know, I know Carl's away for, for today. Has he gone for like two weeks now? Yes, about two weeks. Oh, fair play. Yes, he's going he's to be promoting us in the US. So I thought what we could do is we could, we could have a chat about uh, some of the fantastic stuff that we've got going on at the Lotus Eaters. Uh, so sh should we start with you, Josh? Of course. Well, what, 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 is it, what is it that you do for us then? Well, I've been doing the Contemplation series, which has been a, a mainstay of the website for quite some time now. It goes back a couple of years. And um, of course, the, the series on our website... Because um, you're, you're, you're like employee one or two or something, aren't you? So Two, I think it two. was. Josh so. is one of the early prototypes. I was. Right. Yeah. We hadn't yet perfected <laughs> what a Lotus Eaters presenter should be by that point. There were some bugs with the speech where there's umming and erring in between sentences that mm. oh, I started, weren't worked yeah. out in my uh, sort of... Uh, generation, but that has since been worked out with later presenters. But. Oh, thank you. Yeah, fantastic. But um, yes, this is my series, and uh, it's very good, obviously, because yes. it's made by yours truly. Um, and it, um, being a bit more serious now, though, it is kind of like my life's work. Um, in that I have poured a little bit of my heart and soul into uh, making lots of digestible, um, accessible, sort of academic level, um, content. Right. Whilst also not being really annoying and jargony and inaccessible. So the idea is that I'm trying to deliver university level education, although some, some of it is just entertaining. And, and the reason I like this, because I, I do like this one, the reason I like it is because you ask some bloody interesting questions and you never know where you're going to go with next. So you've done things like, for example, is, you know, are cities the problem? Mm -hmm. uh, which I liked. For some reason, back in um, 2021, you decided to do one on um, how to subvert an election. Yes, yeah. um, there was absolutely no reason for that in that specific mm. year. Um, it wasn't particularly topical, as far as I can tell. No, no obviously, because because as we knew at that point, all elections were uh, you know 
the most secure ever. Fortified, mm-hmm. very rigorous, strictly adhered to all of the rules. Yes, yes, but it, it was very interesting because it looked at it from the perspective of if you are a malevolent individual, how would you go about interfering in the democratic ah. processes? And surprisingly easy, actually. Um, <laughs> I tried it himself. I wish. And, and, and I'm sorry to tie one or two of these together because you, you did one on are stereotypes valid at some point. Mm-hmm. I think that was with Harry. Wasn't yeah, I think well, that, that was, was one of the early ones. So I, I haven't watched that one yet. And then you did one more recently. Have, on, I, have I been here long enough that I would be on one of the early ones? I suppose well, so. As in before me. Well, there have been yeah. like, I think we're getting to 145 soon. Oh, yeah, Almost getting to 150. The earliest ones nice. are with Hugo. They are, yeah. Shout out to Hugo. I, I, I was going to get onto that. As, okay. uh, oh. I've got a list of Dan's questions here, so I'm uh, ah. preempting them already. But I'm a little oh. bit jealous that it's the longest running because my yeah. epoch is the second longest. Running. It is, yeah. It is a, a close second as well. There's some measuring going on here, folks. But yes, <laughs> it's, it's worth mentioning, well, of the, course. No, the reason I was oh. going to bring up the oh. stereotypes thing is because you did that one on stereotypes, and then recently I did one with you on um, the economics of crime. Yes. Where basically we went through There's crime by country. There. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and basically what we found out from that is that basically the crime statistics prove all of your stereotypes. Yes. Yeah, I think well, I don't know if I remember the one that we did on st- stereotypes. Mm. I think the conclusion was something along the lines of not every stereotype is going to be right 100% of the time, probably yeah, more like it. 90% of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, what they are is just it's a, a means of unconsciously basically totting up statistics, percentages, likelihoods of right. outcomes, aren't they? And because your, your unconscious mind is very, very good dealing with large amounts of information as opposed to your conscious mind where it's difficult to deal with large sets of data, it actually does a reasonably good job and that quite often gets overlooked. So is, is that why you've got the, the midwit bell curve where, people, where basically stupid people get stuff right and really smart people get stuff right and then the midwits... The Dunning-Kruger ed- effect. just enough. Mm. Well, there, there are some questions about that. I think oh. actually... Um, it's a bit, it wouldn't be a bell curve in my mind. I think normally idiots are more certain than actual people who know what they're talking about because people who know what they're talking about tend to know the limitations of their own presumptions and the amount of uncertainty to provide. So normally, you know, um, if someone's very well informed, it still kind of beats the, the, the bottom of the bell curve. Yeah, but, yeah, but, the, but it's the midwits. They're the problem. They're the ones who think they know something because they watch yes. the Channel 4 documentary mm-hmm. on it or, yeah, for, or, or whatever it is. From my understanding of it, the yeah. midwits are people who've been educated enough to be educated to completely d- distrust their instincts and completely yes. throw yes. their instincts aside when the person who is educated beyond that at the higher end of the bell curve uh, probably also doesn't always trust his instincts but knows enough to know that his instincts are right more often than not. You kind of need to look at the juxtaposition between sort of tradesmen and university students like they get <laughs> tradesmen are very practically minded you know they're, they're very good at what they do also not necessarily at the bottom of the bell curve no no no, of course not but then you go to university and you've got to be educated into these stupid ideas i mean it's the, the phrase that um some ideas are so stupid you've got to be an academic to believe them mm-hmm. and there's a lot of truth. This is actually another one that you and I did together when we were looking at whether artists and being creative was inherently left-wing, like so many people, including you, Jordan, I know you're watching this, um, like to suggest that just being being creative, being open to experience automatically means that you're more left-wing than anybody else. And we looked into it and we found a magnificent article that you brought up by some Indian guy who said, 
No, creative people are just far more likely to have gone through the institutions that brainwash them into being left-wing in the first place. That makes mm-hmm. far more sense. Yeah, it's, it's very true, yes. And also, th- there is the point that if you're industrious, you're more likely to be right-wing. And if you're industrious, you're more likely to succeed in whatever industry you go into. You can use the example of a band both me and Harry like called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, which is a great name. I don't think they're um, right wing. No, no, no. But they're really, really industrious. Oh, and yeah. they've been successful because of it, right? And it's a proof that industrious. They've got what is, twenty-four albums out in the past. They released eleven five years. Great albums in a year. So they, they did quite well. Yes. But um, do carry on. No. Oh no! I was just saying you a slew of interesting content on there. You put some out. What what, is, what are some of your favourites then? So um. One of my favorites is the two-part series on the origin of humanity that I did right. with Bo. Um, this one, I put in a ridiculous amount of research. I oh, I like that one. Yeah, that was good. I, I'm listening to this at the moment. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I yeah. probably put in about 100 hours of research into this outside of work on top of the research I did in work. Right. So I was reading research papers, looking at archaeological reports, all sorts of stuff. Um, it's not necessarily my field, but I did do a lot of evolutionary okay. psychology, um, and I'm a, a sort of so, bushcraft. So, so can I ask a question, which um, uh, we might need to edit for YouTube? But you know, is the out of Africa thing complete bollocks? I don't, I don't think you need to censor yeah. that for YouTube. Don't um, right. I don't think YouTube. It's far yet more have complicated that than that because there are hominids right. outside of Africa um, millions of years ago. So to say, yes. human beings who came onto the scene. At the sort of latest 300,000 years ago, to say that they're just out of Africa is a massive oversimplification because some of our ancestors were already in Europe before we were there. Because I don't know if you looked at this, but there was, there was a thing going around Twitter about a month or two ago, which was um, basically throwing up genetic data of mm. different groups. And it was basically sort of, um, well, it was, it was all the sort of the, 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 the Northern Hemisphere type groups. Uh, were basically, you know, on one arc down one side for the genetic data, and then it mm. was, and then it was um, sort of Africans and Aboriginals, which were just a different. I don't know. I don't know the terms. I don't know. The I think it's a, group. It, it was right. Yeah. Okay. It was sub-Saharan Africans and Aboriginals were the ones because North Africans yes. have more admixture with uh, European, specifically more Southern European, because of the connection of the Mediterranean Sea. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, so is is, is is that a, is that a thing? Is that real? As in the difference between, yes. yeah, well, you can look at different human migrations through the human genome. So you right. can kind of make estimates based on the genealogical um, information as to when certain peoples migrated to where they are the so-called native inhabitants. And it, okay. you can kind of work backwards alongside archaeological evidence and they're complementary to one another. Basically, we came to the conclusion that the out-of-Africa hypothesis is just not accurate enough. Mm-hmm. There might be very, very ancient hominid creatures with uh, a single ancestor somewhere in the East African Rift Valley, but that's not the picture of modern humanity. It just doesn't work like that. Right. It's a very, very complicated tree. Um, say there's one ancestral mother from East Africa. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that. To uh, yeah. to kind of paint the picture a little bit, 1.8 million years ago, there was a uh, Homo erectus. It was. Um, living in Demonese in Georgia, who hadn't even discovered fire yet. And Georgia, of course, relatively close to Europe, isn't it? It's just south of the Caucasus Mountains. Are we talking about the US state or the, uh, the bit of the bottom of Russia? <sighs> the part 
Un- underneath Russia, of course. Right, okay. But, but hang on, back then, were, the, were, the, were, the, were all the countries joined up or was that, is that, is that even uh, further back? Oh, are you talking about the landmass all yes. being connected? Yes. Eurasia and such? Yes. No, it's um, essentially the same. We're only talking, yeah, it's more or less the same. We're only talking a few hundred thousand years at most. So. Oh, okay, right. Okay, fine. Was that at the point, just to co- correct me, is that, was that at the point where there was still a land bridge between what's now the UK and Europe? Almost certainly, I mean. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, because I think that was a, a few... Was that within the last 10,000 years? Yeah, it would have gone, at, yeah, yeah. There'd be one at the Bering Straits as well. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking of. As well. mm-hmm. yeah. Also, here's, here's another thing, just because I find this whole thing very, very interesting to talk about. I've learned recently, I think a lot of Europeans have a much higher mix of Neanderthal in them than any other groups yes. elsewhere, which is one of the things that separates us from other groups across the world. Like Africans don't oh, have that. No, apparently Asians have... Um, Denisovans. Oh, yes, yes. But we we don't really know anything about those guys because they just we do know of... bits and pieces. Right. Um, I know that the Nepalese in particular have a large amount of Denisovan DNA, which actually helps with their ability to um, extract oxygen from the high altitudes. Like the genes that help them with that come from the Denisovans, rather than from the Nepalese per se. But then it just is more complicated. So there's anomalies as well, aren't there? Mm. It's like some people's or lots of different types of human creature human type creature hominids that have come and gone completely yeah completely risen oh, they, up they, and they then must died have, out must entirely be like you know there was uh i'm not i'm not being racist or anything but there used to be like whole loads of, no <laughs> I no like i have, I have to be going. clear just because you have this to be so careful might be too spicy you know you get like loads of different species of monkeys and stuff like that i mean presumably at one point there was just loads of different species of, of humans yeah that's right yeah mm. that, like, Big ones, little ones, and you know that's not controversial. At all. Yeah. Oh, you, you, but, um, you, you never know. I, I, my personal favourite is yeah. on the island of Flores in Indonesia. Yeah. There are little four-foot, um, tiny cranial, like they had tiny brains, and yet they still made relatively sophisticated sort of Stone Age tools. And uh, they were hunting tiny elephants. So in this sort of weird dystopian tiny world, people hunting tiny elephants. Well, to this yes. day, you've got sort of you know <laughs> giant people from. Uh, Northwestern Europe or the Maasai people of Africa and you've got really small pygmies mm. in uh, you know Papua New Guinea or something to this day so yes. I, I think um, Josh and I are probably in what like the top 1% of tallest people in the world because of how yes. tall we are well you are well Josh as well thank you Josh thank is you. tall you're sort of unnecessarily <laughs> tall Josh is only like half an inch shorter than <laughs> really yeah. Is that is that is that the cutoff point for you? You're like, well, Josh is fine, but Harry, no, half an inch makes all the difference. I'm, I'm six foot three. Are you? Oh, well. Yes. Oh. Seem taller. No, no. I've got friends who are like six four, six five, six six. I've met a man who's uh, the brother of a friend of mine who's seven foot one. It's ridiculous. That's just debility. Yeah, that, that, that is unnecessary. That's taking the piss at that point, to be honest. Yeah. That well, it's freaky. just it's kind of difficult for him as well being that tall. So let's not be insulting. Mm-hmm. On a, <laughs> I wasn't insulting him. No, I mean. I already called it on, on a completely different note. <laughs> oh, something yes. that I really Jealousy. need to mention that's very important yeah. is I started off this series with Hugo, some of yeah. the uh, the old timers, the, the long time watchers. <laughs> um, we'll remember so, is Hugo. That necessary? Yeah. Yes. We're um, painting a picture here. People okay. only see us sat down. But right. the first forty episodes, me and him would take turns basically presenting to the other person. So he was integral ah. to doing it. And before then, we were doing the weekend segments, which okay. were before, you know, the segments that would have gone out on the actual podcast channel on YouTube. And we would just talk about random stuff. Like I talked about Marx and all sorts of stuff. 
Right. It's like yeah, one of the series. first introductions I had to this website was listening to the series that the two parter that you and Hugo did on the life of Marx, his actual mm-hmm. biography. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Um, so yes, it was kind of born of that, and then we realised, well, why don't we make yeah. this a quality series um, that's on the website? Obviously, yes. people have to pay to access it, but that means we can yeah. put lots of work into it and make it really good. And so people do have to born. pay to access it, but they they only have to pay five pounds a month, which mm-hmm. is which is notable. And if they use the code Sargon, uh, then they get fifty percent off for the next three months while the uh, while the boss is on holiday. He's not on holiday for three months. He's on holiday. Carl doesn't know. Yes, and also um, you can learn about lots of different topics, and it's not going to be woke like a university. Yes, and it's probably going to present the facts in a, a bit more of a, a unbiased way because quite often I like to play devil's advocate. I don't like to tell you exactly oh, it, what to think. And it's just genuinely interesting stuff. So instead of, because I have this, because I quite like documentaries and sometimes you'd be sat there and thinking, oh, okay, I put a documentary on. So you start scrolling through Netflix and, and, and you look at the time and you think, oh, it's just going to be unbearably bloody woke and it's just going to tell you about bloody black climate. Egyptians. Yeah. And it, yes, yes. None of that like contemplation. How Nagubu built yeah, the Yeah, and then, and then I just think, okay, well, I'll put on, I'll put on <laughs> a, a contemplation <laughs> instead because it's like, a, it's like a documentary, but without the twattiness. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's even yes. fun. Yes. <laughs> now, don't worry. There's still a hefty bit of twattiness in all of these. I am in them. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, yeah. So, so what I wanted to come to actually is there's another one of yours um, which I haven't watched yet, but I, but it's on my list because I just noticed it, and it's all about prepping. Oh yes. Now the reason um, I bring that up is, in fact, John, you can yeah. move on to the next one. I'll come back to the space one in a second. All right, um, okay. Here yes. it is. Yes. So. Because, you, you know, we found out last week that we all think about the Roman Empire all the time, but we didn't know that we all did, but we all do. I mean, I knew it. Yes. Well, I thought it was kind of everybody else was thinking about thing. it. Well, I knew I was thinking about well, that, it. Yeah, that's I, thought we, I thought we exchanged a look, you know, when men just glance at one another, it's like Roman Empire. Roman well, Empire is well, like well, a nod. Me and sit opposite each other, and we quite often talk about the Roman Empire just offhand. It just comes up. Mm. Well, it's just easy to just yes, okay. stumble into a very complicated con- conversation about the sort of intricacies of Roman politics. Yes. But but the point is, we, we were all thinking it, and we didn't... We Okay, apart from you two, we didn't necessarily know we were thinking about it. That, that's probably... Right, which brings me on to prepping, mm-hmm. because, okay, now, surely this isn't only me. Right, tell me if you all do this as well. I'm pretty... I've never asked anyone this before, so I'm thinking Ooh. that all men think this. But do you ever sit at home and think to yourself, if there was a zombie outbreak... Yeah, every how day. Would, how would I fortify my house? And you look at the windows and you think, yeah, I could, I could break up that shelving unit and like do that, and then I could, like all that kind of stuff. Well, well, I've already it's, got it figured out. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily zombie apocalypse. When I look at Lampedusa at the moment, I yes, think, okay, it, it, when they arrive, could what just, do I do? It, it could be a zombie outbreak or massively enrichment. Yes, how do yes. I avoid the enrichment? But, but, getting but through do you my guys all do door? that as well? Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've already right. got like a ten point plan going. I'm, I'm. I'm ready for everything. Oh yeah, because you you start thinking it through. You start thinking, okay, well, you know, in what order would I do things? So I so I I've come to first thing I'd do is like fill up loads of water containers because that's absolutely crucial. obviously yeah. Um, then I would do basic sort of home defense type stuff, and then I'd start thinking through, okay, do I? But but this is and this is the tricky thing. You need to work out whether it's a fast zombie invasion or a slow zombie invasion as to whether you do a quick raid on the shops or not. <laughs> if it's got... the slow ones, you can kind of do a Shaun of the Dead. Sorry, Bo. Yeah, yeah. It's got fast twitch muscle fiber zombies. <laughs> yes. Uh... <laughs> well, hang well, on. That, thing... Now that sounds that that sounds racist. Well, the thing though, I always think about is the oh. water. Unless you buy like giant water butts that you can put hundreds of gallons in, yes. you're just going to die of thirst within three days or something. 
Yes. Water yeah, treatment that, that, tablets. That's why the first thing is you need to fill the bath and all the water containers. You do that and you have a big stock of water treatment tablets. So when you eventually do run out of water, yes. you can flee to the countryside somehow. Yeah. You know. But you guys have obviously that, thought about this in far greater depth than I have. My well, I did main, a whole video on prepping. <laughs> my, so. my main line of thought has been, who do I know who lives on a farm who owns guns? And I have family you who could, do all of that. So I would just immediately flee to them so that I could just use their guns. So when the zombies are already running through the street, you're going to get on a bus. Not on a bus. I've got a car. Right. You're going to get in a I'm car. I'm going to drive through the hordes, yes. Listen, if I have the windows up, how are they going to get in? By breaking them? Yeah, well, if Bobby. I drive through them, though, it'll be fine. All right. <laughs> I do think that guns would be less important than, you know, 100, 150 litre... Water bats, though, to keep going on about that. Yeah, because you could just stay inside because, and drink. Yeah. Well, my main thought has always been, well, if it's the zombie apocalypse as depicted in most films, that being the slow-moving zombies, as long as you wear uh, thick enough clothing that they can't bite through it, it wouldn't actually be that difficult to just go out you know, with a baseball bat or a cricket bat or something, take a few out on your way to the shop, raid the shop, and then go back. That would be very easy with the slow-moving zombies. As uh, evidence for how much I think about the Roman Empire, I was considering getting myself some uh, Roman armor, like replica Roman armor. So, so some after, Lorica segmentata. So just, after Shad came on last week, I found the website that used Steel Mastery, and I'm and I'm working through my custom order for like a um, what was it Gambon or whatever it is, you know, the light armor. Gamberson. Yes. 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 I, I, I'm not sure when I'm ever going to use it, but I just I just like the idea of having a set of armor at home. I feel like if if uh, uh, S hits the fan, yes, I know I'm not allowed to swear. Um, you are going to be sorted though. If you have like a suit of armor, no one's yes. going to mess with you, are they? And lots doesn't matter of- who you are. Oh, and, and and actually, back to the point of the prepping, I do have um, one one of the spare rooms. I turned into a food hoard, so I got loads, <laughs> I got loads of tins of beans and chips, biscuits, and stuff Is that like next- that. Next to your gold hoard, where you've got a big pile. Oh no, no, of gold, I, don't, like, I don't have any gold dragon. Yeah, Scrooge McDuck, giant <laughs> <laughs> silo full of golden coins. The thing is, um, I quite often think about it and then never do it. I quite often think, oh, I really should probably hoard. I should get in lots of toilet paper and loads of tinned food, and then I never actually do it. Or I'll buy like eight tins of soup. Is, is it? And they just sit in the cupboard. Would, and the I toilet think, paper it's not would enough really anyway. Be the most crucial element. I mean, that was like over the, the pandemic, wasn't it? It was like leaves work. Throwing that out there. Because you just, th- and, oh, and by the way, and, and maybe you'll tell it because we, we, we must let you get to your your, your preppers thing. But um, I've looked. In, uh, the thing you want is condensed milk. It's like the highest concentration of calories per tin or something like that. Condensed milk. So, so if you want, if you're having a prepper store, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. I also but, think, how long is the apocalypse going to last? Though, because some tins of stuff go off within a year, but some will last for. Uh, I don't for, believe for like that. ten I, years. I, I don't want believe that. Stuff, right? I don't believe that. I, I think they last forever, and they just put a, a use by date on them. Because they have to. Right, we'll have to source an incredibly old tin of beans and Dan can test that theory on podcast. <laughs> it's going to be the next podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan eats old beans. Uh, anyway, t- tell us <laughs> that's about... What you, that's what you're following us for, I'm, isn't it? I, I'm just making it up. You, you tell us about the prepper one, Josh. Sure. So, obviously, it's not about zombie apocalypses. It's actually focusing on more likely scenarios whereby, you know, there's some like sort Lampedusa. of natural disaster. Um, you know, how people have been screwed over in the States when there have been extreme weather events, things like that, or perhaps economic collapse or, or things along those lines where, you know, they are possible and it's worth considering. And I just talk about all the things you need to know about. It's sort of an entry level thing that I don't go into the weeds as much as I probably could. But well, there are I, whole YouTube channels dedicated to it. There right? are indeed. Yeah. Um, I've, I've debated 
starting one, just doing all the bushcraft stuff. And because right. I, I'm very much into that. But right. basically, what I do is I have a, like a bug out bag, which is like a 65 liter oh, got one of those. Um, yeah. thing packed full of all the stuff I'll need in the case of I need to get out of here as quickly as possible. Yeah. So I just put that on. It's got food, um, water treatment tablets, copy of Razzle. A copy of what? <laughs> My carry on. Um, you know, everything you could possibly need. Right. And um, I also just keep a large stock of, of tinned food and yeah. lots and lots of large bottles of water. And for the most part, that's all you really need um, just for sort of preempting a crisis. Very good. Very sound. But um, right. quickly go back to the previous one. Oh, yes. Um, I also did what this is another one I did with Bo, actually. Um, I feel like you, you get lucky and do all the ones that I'm very passionate about. But this was talking about um, the James Webb Space Telescope. And if you want anything that's going to lift your spirits about how we are actually living in a great time to be alive and how things are amazing and, you know, look at how beautiful the universe is, this is it. So, this is, so um, that is exactly what I was thinking of when I said that you sometimes go on Netflix and you try and find a documentary because they, they, they put, they've got one up about the James Webb t- Telescope but they just managed to make it Californian and woke and just nauseating and I had to turn it off. I am neither of those things and therefore it's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we, talk, we explain the images as well. We say here's an image that we've got. Um, this is the, like, an image of the, the oldest galaxy ever. It's close to being um, towards the age of the creation of the entire universe. Um, and, and stuff like that. It's very, it's really inspiring stuff. And we do kind of wax lyrical about how amazing it is, but rightfully so. It's a, a, an achievement of humanity, of, of our day and age, that we can well and truly be proud of, I think. Well, I think the James Webb is the best thing ever, quite literally, the best thing ever created for our civilization. Uh, I wrote an article called that, and I've written a couple of other articles about it. Um, the Edge of Forever is probably one of my favorite articles I ever wrote, if I'm going to blow my own trumpet. But it's great because I think what really matters is if you genuinely care about the topic, mm. um, that just counts for so much. It just usually comes through to people watching or listening. If you genuinely are interested and care about the thing that you're talking about. Um, and so, yeah, with your contemplations, that's, you know. That's actually a, brought me on to a very important point because actually caring about what you're talking about um, is very, very important because having an interest in the world around you, lots of different interests, and I cover, you know, loads and loads of um, different topics in lots of different areas. But having this general interest in the world and being curious about it and finding things out and it being rewarding is one of the best ways to get meaning in your life. If you need, if you need, you know, a pick me up, start learning about something new and that will carry you forward. Just producing this series has given me a profound amount of understanding of the world as well as giving me lots of meaning because you see, not to t- go all uh, American beauty on you, but you get to see the beauty in the world, don't you? You, you get to, to see how lucky we are to be here and how, appreciate things. And when you hear people talk about politics all the time, you don't hear that sort of thing, do you? It's all doom and gloom. Everything's getting terrible. Mm. But there are other things other than politics in the world. And it's worth bearing that in mind because also they're worth defending against the political attacks. And you've so, got to know what to value in your society to be able to defend it in the first place. So what, what, what's the right-wing environmentalism one about then? Because that's another one I've, I've spotted that I mean to look at. Yeah, so that was um, me, Connor, um, Rory, and um, who else was it? I think it was, yeah, us three. And we were just talking about our connection with the environment and how the left co-opting 
caring about the world around you is, you know, surrendering too much ground, quite literally. And that there is a conservative perspective on custodianship over the, the world around us. And I, I kind of invoked the, the biblical notion of stewardship, that it's our duty as the apex species to promote um, the flourishing of human life as well as non-human. I, I, of course. I, I like that framing. Right-wing people are the apex species. So I, <laughs> I notice that you and Rory were on this episode. So mm. did we finally come to a conclusion on trees versus hedgerows? Ah, yes. This has been a, a multi-year debate at this point. But this is just talking about the rural character of Britain because there's the sort of typical um, Southern England hedgerows delineating the boundaries of fields and it's this a managed approach whereas i prefer wilderness i prefer things being rugged and untouched by the human hand and i wanted more woodland because i enjoy that more than the fields fields have a place obviously obviously agriculture as well very very important mm. but i think that we we've um deforested a lot of britain and it's a tragedy in my opinion Fantastic. So, so there's no conclusion to that just yet. You didn't come to a to a well, full stop it's answer. A, it's a memetic ongoing debate. We the kind war of agree. is on. Yeah. <laughs> if you say so. Okay. So and we should also talk about um Bo, you've got a you've got a pretty good history type of thing going on. Pretty pretty successful on the on the on the website I've noticed. It's oh, I've got that it's, pretty good history thing going. Well it's it his his one is the is the top top uh top episode, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, yeah, you come out on top. Oh, did I? Yeah, we did. We did. We did a survey, and uh, oh, I'm not supposed to mention that, but uh, yeah, no, no, you're. And, <laughs> well, and, it is and pretty viewers good. And everything. Well, <laughs> yes. So, why is Epoch so? In fact, no. Before I ask you why Epoch is so bloody good, uh, we 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 probably would have done the the, the transition thing by now. So, so welcome, uh, fresh set of um uh, of lovely you people. Um, we we got a, we got a promotion on at the moment, which is Sargon. So so basically, if you're wondering what's going on here, is uh, the boss has gone on holiday, so uh, standards have uh, have lacked slightly, and I was able to get onto his laptop and and put a put a new code in. So you now get fifty percent off um, any tier uh, for the next three months. So it, you know it, it was cheap; it is now ridiculously cheap. So enter code Sargon on the web Sargon with an E if you're listening, uh, and um, and you can and you can watch. Um, some history stuff. Is he actually wearing that? I was going to say, is this a real picture? Like it's, yeah, it doesn't look like it's shot. It looks like no, he's actually he, no. He was it. he was actually giving a speech by the beach for some reason. But with but, but and the, the sombrero is yeah, to yeah, add to his authority. The new, the new version of Photoshop, you basically just take a picture of him with a microphone in his hand, and you say, "Right, well, put a hat on, and <laughs> give him give him a cocktail," and it did that. Yeah. That's AI. That is. Oh really? Oh, so he wasn't wearing impressive. the sombrero. It didn't even mess no. up like oh, the fingers on the cocktail either. Yeah, and AI can do fingers now. Even oh, wow. That's terrifying. Yes. So, yeah, apo- uh, epochs, rather. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, well, no I did. I, uh, I am just a complete and utter history nerd, mm. fan, geek. <laughs> and um, all I've ever really wanted to do is somehow try and make a living, try and pay my bills yeah. by just talking and chatting about history. Because you didn't actually start off um, doing that, did you? You, you had a proper yeah. job in finance. Oh, right. You? Oh, yeah, yeah. For nearly 20 years, yeah, I worked in sort of asset management and yeah. commodities and all sorts of things. Because right. it's very, very difficult to make a living talking about history. I mean, there's a few jobs you can do. Like you can be, um, be a curator in a museum or something. You could just be a history teacher. Uh, mm. <laughs> who, who wants to wrangle an entire class of children? Yeah, I don't really want to right. coerce kids into right. listening to me. Uh, but I am one right. of those people who, 
you know, a, a pub or a barbecue or a dinner party or something. Right. We'll just, we'll just start, start talking, talking about, about the Roman about Empire. History. And a lot of people don't like that. Right. A lot of people just wait for you to stop. Or, so you or, just keep or, going. Or, or just, well, no, no. Until they submit. No, yeah, no, I'm not a sociopath. Oh, right. um, but so I did start my own channel, History Bro. Check that out yes. on YouTube. Subscribe to History Bro. Um, and I spoke to Carl a few times, a couple of times, about uh, Hannibal, Alexander the Great, uh, Xenophon. Oh, Carl, Carl likes a bit of history. And so when Carl started Epochs, uh, he wanted, uh, you know, a resident history nerd. And oh, did I, he, I volunteered. Did, he did you start it without you then, or were you... Yeah, yeah, I didn't join for, what, three months, four months, maybe? Well, three or four months Epochs in. was your thing, wasn't it? I thought the, the very first episode was you and Carl. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. But uh, Dan was asking, I wasn't here, I wasn't at Lotus Eaters from oh, day no, no, one. Oh, no, no, I meant it's been yeah. the beginning of Epochs. So oh, long, right, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, it's always been mine, yeah, to the from day one. Or, uh, it's all right, I was there 3,000 um, years ago. I don't ago. believe you. And so I sort of got my wish to... Just talk about history because I can sort of endlessly do it. Where my background is ancient history, classical history. Yeah. Uh, but epochs, I can do whatever I want within reason. Cole, you know, sometimes the subjects Cole just decides or wants yeah. to do, but usually most of the vast majority of the time it's just up to me. And so whatever tickles my fancy. So I, even, as I say, even though my background is ancient history, I go all over the place. Because this is the thing, like when you learn it at school, they, they make it so stuffy and boring, it's hard not to be mm. bored by it. Mm. But literally, it's the most exciting things that have happened ever in history, <laughs> is, is generally what history is. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it, it's when you get into it, if, as long as you can like get to what's actually happened, it is fascinating stuff, all of it. The only problem is, is, is I was reading an article the other day saying that it was fundamentally sexist. Good. Because it, because it is literally, hit, the, the thing is, his story. Oh, well, you know, I don't care about that. Right. I'm just I mean, uh, that's interested not even, in... That's not even the actual etymology of the word, is though, it? is it? I'm just interested oh. in, um, well, things, things that are interesting. And I'm one of those people that something has to be extremely dry and boring before I sort of switch off. Right. Um, so I do try and pick, obviously... Uh, Interesting things. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I jump around all over the place. Right. Some done a few on sort of World War Two and 20th century things. Done a, a few with all of you guys, quite a few with Josh. One of my favourite series was uh, about World War Two, uh, Operation Market Garden, when uh, the Brits and Americans... I really enjoyed that because I knew uh, nothing about Colin. it. And uh, was, was I got to sit in... Yeah. Yeah. Bridge Too Far. Oh, oh, that's a really good film. Yeah, yeah. That's an old one, but it's a really good film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the original novel is great, and I yeah. keep rereading it for some reason. The, the one I did with Harry, I only done one with Harry, but that was on the Spanish Civil War. Yeah, I found that really interesting. I rewatched that. I don't actually rewatch them very often, but occasionally I will. Um, and I rewatched that one a month or two ago, mm. and um, I thought it was quite a, a really good one, actually. Yeah, I, I, really I enjoyed it. it. I learned a lot from it. Yeah. Do you find that um, when you watch one that you did like a year or so ago, there's been enough time passed and you've, you've done enough of them that you kind of forget and you kind of watch it as a viewer. As I did that with a few episodes of Contemplations. I was just like, oh yeah, that's a good point. I was like, wait a minute, that's right. me. And, 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 ju and just to make it clear to the audience, the reason we don't tend to rewatch our stuff a lot is not because it's boring. All of these are absolutely fascinating. It's because you tend to watch them like three times, the editing process. Yeah. So you, you're like, you, you got them completely by the time they come out. And plus sort of you lived it. So you know yeah, what's yeah. coming up, you know what's, what's yeah. going to be said, and yeah, you have to rewatch it, or I do a few times in the post-production phase. Yeah. So you've actually lived it and then watched it at least probably a couple of times over. Yeah. So going back and watching it again is yeah. unnecessary it, and usually a bit weird. However, I still have yeah. done once or twice. It is there. still useful to occasionally go back and look over work that you've done, if only because you'll have done so much research in the preparation for it 
that some of it just won't have stuck in your head as much as the rest of it. So sometimes it can be good to go back over your own work just to remind yourself mm. of a few things. And we've done a few, haven't we, Dan, on more yes. economic things. We did the tulip, tulip the, mania. The tulip bubble. Uh, we did Wall Street crash. Yes. Uh, and we did Black Tuesday. Oh, yes. Um, yep. When Soros stole the pound. Yes. Um, to be fair, John Major made it very, very easy for him. But, but I mean, that one, for example, that one's really important because it basically sets up the world. I mean, it's, it's why George Soros is so rich and is able to, you know, do all the malign stuff he's to do. It's why we came out of the euro. I mean, mm. it's, it's, it's mm. why we have so many currency difficulties in Europe. At the moment. I mean, it's, it's a setup to a huge amount of stuff, like what, why the Tories came out and we got Blair and then we got, um, you know, the mass immigration that followed and the move to the left and why Tories have become a left-wing party. I mean, it just sets up it's such a pivotal event. Mm, well, it's very kind of you to call it important, but some of these yeah. stories are uh, because to be ignorant of one's past is to forever remain a child. The, mm. the present is a product of the past and you c can't hope to understand the present without an appreciation of the past. Yes. Uh, I'm uh, paraphrasing Cicero and, and, there, and most but... of the stuff that you cover is, you know, it could have, got, it could have gone either way. Mm. And mm. if it did, we would be living in a very different world if just a few of these had gone a different way. Occasionally, I've heard people say things like, oh, I don't care about World War I or World War II. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't affect us That's anymore. That's one of the most um, ignorant statements anyone yeah. could ever say. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, that is, yeah, that is a pretty backward thing to think. Um, and, but even if you go back to the ancient world or the medieval world or something, it, sort of, it really does matter um, in all sorts of ways. Um, but, you know, the thing is with some of these stories is they're just sort of throwaway, flippant things that, you know, you could do without. Um, and, and some of them are some of the greatest stories, you know, because history or truth is sometimes much more fantastic than any fiction. Um, and uh, I feel, without going too over the top, yeah. I feel sort of uh, genuinely privileged in the old sense of that word, lucky uh, to be able to bring these stories to some people. Sometimes I get comments where people say, oh, I've never heard of that thing. I had no idea about that at all. Yeah, there, there, and, is, uh, there, is, there is actually one story which is genuinely the most fantastic. It, it, it's just, it would make the best movie ever, the story of this one man's life because of the, the stuff that he did and the stuff that he got away with. And I'd love for you to cover it, but I can't because it just so happened that he spawned the religion. And if you talk about this particular chap, we'd probably get firebombed or heads cut off or something ah. like that. But but that guy is it L. Ron Hubbard? <laughs> but, no, I think I, I think I know who it is that you're talking about. I, that, but I'm that being guy, silly. I mean, he, he, he well, he, he was he was basically this Arab king guy. He was a warlord. Yes, uh, and he um yeah that big that fan was, of kids. I'd love to cover that one, but you know you can't do. Well, that. I think we can. Tom Holland wrote a brilliant book called uh, Is it in the Shadow of the Sword? I think it's yes. called about the the life of Muhammad. Yes, oh, I wasn't going to say it. Blessings okay, be upon his name. Um, you know. Uh, so you can talk about it. It's a historical right. figure, probably. Right. Um, so you're, <laughs> we would be allowed to talk about it. Right, okay. Because um, that was a really interesting might be a bit difficult. There is so many things, though, and that's one of the things I'd like to say to Just some of the people out there. Have a question mark um, like a Pokemon card. Who is it? <laughs> <laughs> some of the people get lots of um, recommendations or requests. Right. And unfortunately, uh, you know, can't get through them all. Um, yes. So. Uh, do still keep asking and things if there's a particular thing you, you want. But um, yeah, yeah. Can, we only do one a week. So yes. uh, yeah, can, can never really get... So what, what, what's on. some of your, your favourites then? Well, I would say more than half, two thirds or three quarters of them are sort of equal in my mind for, I just loved it. Because mm. I nearly always pick something 
that I am genuinely interested in. Yeah. One of the ones that you've asked me this before, and one of the ones that sticks out in my mind, which is actually a bit of an anomaly, so it's yeah. not sort of your, your classic history lesson type history, was I did the history of Formula One with Thomas Dowling. Shout out to Thomas Dowling. Because uh, yeah. um, he loves Represent. Racing, uh, racing and karting. I thought you were going to say racism for a second then. <laughs> He's Cut a professional it. racer. Yeah. Um, I mean, he might as well. I don't and know. it's the only one him. out of 124, 125 odd episodes we've done now, which isn't sort of your classic textbook history type Yeah, that's history. not what you normally but do. I, but... No, right. Um, but I particularly enjoyed that because like I was saying to Josh earlier, if it's a topic that you honestly... Yeah genuinely are interested in and love it's not work anymore all right okay so um, so my, my thoughts on formula one because i used to watch this when i was little but it, it it used to be a very different sport a long time ago because you used to watch it a bit like, and, and this is going to make me sound bad but I, i'm gonna have everyone's thinking it so i'm gonna have to go there but you used to watch this 20 years ago because you knew there was a serious chance oh. that somebody was going to be turned into a human fireball mm. on, a, on a big race. so so the NASCAR, thing, yeah and but that just doesn't, that doesn't happen anymore not that I've, yeah, yeah, which, which is obvious. Sometimes, sometimes, uh, so, sometimes you'll yeah. see the cars on the first corner when they're all bunched up together. Will still like knock each other a little bit. Yeah, yeah but I mean, no, but, I mean it's a fender well, bend. That was the angle <clears throat> of this episode as oh, well. Okay. Is that um, yeah, it's all about the history of of results and the cars and everything, but also uh, how extraordinarily dangerous it used to be. Yeah, you oh, quite yeah. often see not often, but uh, back in the early seventies was when it was it's most dangerous. Yeah. And something like uh, one in seven drivers died every season, season or season. One in, one in seven every season. Yeah, yeah, hell. yeah. Um, and yeah, um, there's, there's quite a few examples of uh, guys crashing and their car going up in flames and they, they, they burn alive, essentially, live on TV. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that doesn't happen anymore. Roman Grosjean, a few years ago, got in a fire and it was one of the first fires I've seen in years and years and years. And he got out and sort of, he did burn his hands a little bit, but he, he walked away from oh, it. They, but, but I mean, they wear proper flame suits and they've got, you know, firemen. Oh, there's endless, there's endless things now. I yeah. mean, the petrol tanks are like a, a bladder made out of a space age material, which sort of is almost impossible to rip. Whereas back in the day, I mean, Jackie Stewart had a crash once where he came off the track and just crashed into the side of a barn. They don't have barns at the sides of the track anymore. Yeah. And he was crushed into the cockpit. And the cockpit filled up with petrol, his old school petrol tank, natural tank, and the electrics weren't turned off. So he's sitting in a bath, trapped in a bath of, of petrol. And, uh, well, he obviously survived because he's still alive to this day. Right. Um, but yeah, it's extraordinarily dangerous. It must be a squeaky bum time, though. I oh, mean, you... well, yeah, yeah, terrifying, terrifying. Um, yeah, uh, that sometimes it, like a, a marshal was once hit uh, by a car and basically exploded on TV. Which is like bits of. Yeah, yeah. Arms and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's a South wow. African Grand Prix and the man in the car, Tom Price, was also killed. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it used to be extraordinarily dangerous. Um, pretty disgusting, actually. Um, but anyway, enough, enough about Formula One because that was a bit of yes. an, an anomaly right. of a one. But we go through all the history of it. Um, what, what, what else have you done? Uh, oh, is that, well, is, you've got the bridge one. Yeah. A, a bridge fight. This is the series with Josh. Uh, is it right. five part series, was it, I think? Yeah, it was four um, or five, wasn't it? Yeah, and the, uh, the, the, the novel, uh, A Bridge Too Far, yeah. uh, is one of my favourite books. Um, and of course, they made a film out of it. Dickie Attenborough made a film out of it. And it's the story of uh, when the British and the Americans uh, paratrooped, uh, dropped uh, the airborne, dropped into Nazi-occupied Holland. Yeah. And it was a, a bit of a debacle. 
Um, oh yeah, but, um, but, I mean this this I, is I won't ballsy, give it away. Ballsy British spirit on display in spades. Yeah, yeah, and that's Monty Bernard Law Montgomery who was sort of responsible for it, and it was a bit of a uh, bit of a balls up actually, uh, right. but also many heroic actions also took place. Yeah. Um, I I had a few guests on. It's it's nearly always with uh, Carl, but a fair few with you, Josh, and a few with a few other people. Um, but I have had. Uh, the the pleasure and honour of having Apostolic Majesty on a few times, another history YouTuber called Apostolic Majesty. Uh, okay. And uh, whenever he's on, um, it's really brilliant because I just pick his brain rather than me sort of taking the reins and leading it. I just sort of ask him questions, let him sort of lead the conversation. And his depth of knowledge, his breadth and depth of knowledge is truly remarkable. Mm. I had a mini series with him about the, the origins of World War One. There should be a link for that, John. Um, and uh, had him on, uh, uh, talked to him about a couple of other topics as well. Um, I would have him on all the time if I could. It's very good of him to to give me as much of his time. But I've, you know, I've spoken to some other people. You know, an early one with a drinker, critical drinker, talking about Waterloo. Uh, there's one with Mauler, long man. One with Dankula, talking all about his the, the history of his Mad Lads series. Oh, okay. <laughs> so a whole sort of hour or two about that. Um, I, uh, I had Calvin on. Kevin Robinson talked about Christianity. Um, yeah, I, I had a, a, a Luca Johnson uh, recently talking about Peter Younger. I had a chap on just the other day, um, Luke Parker, talking about Kohima and the Chindits and things. So it's not always Carl, uh, but it's nearly always Carl. And um, yeah, I just hope I can do some of these stories justice because some of the time, sometimes, um, we uh, it, it's something that's so important to me. For example, the story of. Um, Maybe Shackleton springs to mind. And we're going to do a Wellington series soon. Uh, I say series, probably just two parts of it. It's, they're, they're so important to me um, that I feel like um, I'm almost not worthy to, to be talking about it. Oh, you know, I'll do it anyway. It's not going to put me off. Um, mm. But uh, if, you know, if I can bring some of these stories, you know, like we did one on the Hundred Years' War, or I did one with a couple with John Wheatley about, um, about the, the Wars of the Roses and things. They're such important stories. Um, that if I can bring it to people who didn't know about it before, yes, um, I've actually made the world a little bit richer. And that's something of value. Rather than sitting at a desk all day at a commodities trading firm or an asset management trading, yeah. uh, asset management house, uh, making the, some fat cat a tiny bit richer, that's, does, that's not really fulfilling to me. Yeah, Whereas that... if I can inform people about important things in history... Um, that 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 well, was um, nice. that that was my thoughts on finance as well. Pays well, um, lots of spreadsheets, very boring. Yeah, and it's doing doing something like this is is actually quite fun. Yeah, making the shareholders a tiny bit richer, yeah. spending all my time and energy doing that. Essentially, that's the net result of yeah. how I spend my days. Is that the shareholders at, at State Street or Northern Trust or J P Morgan are a tiny yeah. bit richer? Because I yeah. wasted my life nine to five, five days a week. Whereas me. now you're making people culturally richer. Well, hopefully, sometimes at least. Yes. Sometimes at least. Uh, what, what else have you got for us on the list to, to, to have a look at then? Is that, is that... Uh, did one on Doc Holiday. Uh, Doc Holiday. Um, so like I said, it's not all ancient history. There are loads on ancient history. Yes. On Lycurgus and Solon and Pompey and all sorts of things. Uh, but sometimes it's just someone that I particularly am interested in and love. And Doc Holiday was one of them. Just the story of Doc Holiday's life. Uh, quite a remarkable person and life. Uh, yes. You know, the shootout at the OK Corral. The, 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 the gunsling who died of was it, tuberculosis. Yeah, TB. Yeah, he died young. Yeah. 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 Um, 
uh, but yeah, uh, uh, and, and was he really as good as as the sort of culture has made him out to be? As a gun yeah, team? yeah, yeah. I mean, he was fast. Apparently, he was genuinely one of the fastest around. He wasn't all that accurate, but you didn't have to be because it would usually take place at, at point blank range. Quite yes, I suppose you just stand closer but, to the person. But, <laughs> whoever's got the quickest draw. But apparently, yeah. he was very, very fast. Uh, right. But at the OK Corral, he had a, uh, a ten bore shotgun, so uh, right. so you sort of. It's difficult to miss if you're the like the speed of his draw doesn't away. matter as much if he's got a shotgun. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, a small cannon he had on him, Tembo. It is uh, absurd no when joke. you see those videos of uh, slow motion quick draws where they're also super accurate with all of the shots as well. Mm. That's mm. always amazing. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, uh, just the nineteenth century sort of Wild West because Doc Holliday's life is really at the end. Really, I mean, people argue, historians argue about when did the Wild West end and things. He's right. sort of undeniably at the end, or towards the end of that period. Nonetheless, it's still sort of classic Wild West stuff. Um, so yeah, that's uh, sometimes if uh, me and Carl haven't got a, you know, a real series or something in mind that we're absolutely dying to do, it would just be left up to me to pick something. To, to be uh, fair, California, given its crime rate, could do with chaps like this. <laughs> Back again. Vigilantes, yes. essentially. Yeah, well, the Earp brothers and, and, and Doc... Uh, yeah, we're fighting on the side of the law. Right. Yeah. So they were sort of the good guys. Yeah. Um, I mentioned Shackleton a, a minute ago. Oh, yeah. Um, so this was one, I d we did a little series where I did sort of Scott of the Antarctic and did right. um, about conquering Ever Everest. Did one about Shackleton. Again, a bit like Doc Holliday or the Duke of Wellington or something. It's just one of my favorite, among my favorite things, that I, or Henry V or something, just sort of read and reread about. So th this is why you need a, an, a British aristocracy class because most of them will just spend their time going and having lunch and stuff, you know, but, but some of them will think, okay, I, I need to conquer Everest or, or the Antarctic or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I've done one on Sir Charles Napier, did one on Clive of India. Yes. Um, and, uh, uh Gordon of Khartoum. Uh, so yeah, there's a fair few sort of specific heroes just in there. Ripped by the spirit of, I need to go and do something completely bloody remarkable. Mm. And they did. Mm. Most of the great things that have happened in Britain um, that are accountable to individuals have normally been aristocrats who've been twiddling their fingers, looking yeah. to go out for adventure, really. Because it, it must have been incredibly boring to be a sort of rich in that time period because you didn't have anything to keep you busy and you didn't have Lotus Eater subscriptions available at only £5 a month with the code SARGON, you get 50% off for the next three months. But, you know, you, you, you would have just had dinner parties to go to and, you know, croquet to play. So actually going off and doing a, a jungle or a mountain or something. Yeah, you do need that combination of leisure time and money. Yes. Uh, but, but Shackleton was a very serious uh, yeah. guy. You know, he wasn't just this, uh, he wasn't just like a multi-millionaire playboy and couldn't think of anything else to do right. it was sort of his whole life's ambition to try and reach the south pole and uh you know was uh uh we were pipped well captain scott was pipped first but then ernest shackleton went back and uh yeah the extraordinary adventures uh the thing to take away about ernest shackleton is that he didn't really get anywhere near the south pole on his last famous expedition it was all about uh an escape an evasion a survival ordeal to, well, I mean, you make, you make a point. We used, we used to have loads of these guys, and now we've just got Elon Musk, got like one guy who's going to go, I'm going to well, go to Mars. Now, now we've got massive uh, restrictions on how people can get about the place. If you are a young man, it's uh, financially restrictive to try and get about the place. And also, most young men are probably being distracted by the fact that they have 
Uh, I'm sorry to stab this dagger in your heart. I know it's a soft subject for you, but they have on-access-demand pornography. They have video games that they can get access to and just mess all the time with. Uh, They have no... Why why did you pick the adjective soft? (laughs) That's up for interpretation, Dan. I know it's a soft spot for you, is what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm not even going to try and unpick that. (laughs) There are still some people like uh, Sir Ranulph Fiennes, for example, sort Mm. of a modern-day... Right. Um, adventurer. Yeah, but everything's on Google Earth. He's now. he's getting on now, though, isn't? Oh, he's yeah, he's an old chap now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, what my my point is that it's more and more financially restrictive, and it's a uh, less risk to reward. Our very for young men these Callum days. is Callum, yeah. very much. Yeah, or Lord Miles. Yeah, yes. someone. Yeah, yeah. These, these yes. guys do still exist. They do still exist, but yeah. not in the same numbers. You could do you argue. Think anyone will be making an epochs of Callum in hundred years' time? Maybe Macabo might. Won't be making it about me. Um, I doubt it. There's also some. Um, oh there's also I do do a lot of ancient history things as well because as I say that is really my forte. Um, so there's all sorts of things from the ancient world. One of my favourite ones was uh, on the year of the four emperors, um, which is just sort of Rome on steroids. It was after the death of Nero. Um, Nero had murdered every single member of his own family, sort right. of extinguished the Julio-Claudian dynasty, and so. Rome, uh, all the, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Including his own mum. Yeah, murdered his own mum. Yeah, and and it, right. sorry, was he a bit? Uh, well, that's up for debate. A lot of people say no. He was just very, very, very sadistic. I think he may have been clinically insane, but most historians say he probably wasn't. Right. I don't then, know. It's it's not normal um, sane behaviour to wipe out your bloodline, though, is it? No, but no, not at all. <laughs> Did he at least? But, have I mean, it might be kids. more normal these days. But, but you know, there's sort of a very, very high benchmark to say that you're clinically insane. Lots of people do, uh, you know, mass murders or kill their own family, and they go to trial. And uh, psychologists yeah. say, no, you're fit to stand trial. You knew what you, you knew right from wrong, and you did it anyway. To, to be fair, a lot of Americans so, at the moment are turning their kids into eunuchs, and they're considered sane. Hmm. I so, doubt, but yes. So you know, the difference between being just evil and sadistic or clinically insane. You don't know what you're doing. You're not responsible for your actions. I think, I don't know, Nero probably was. But anyway, after he uh, was, the Senate declared him uh, uh, sort of an enemy of of the people of Rome, um, the Roman diadem was up for grabs and a a bunch of different generals from all over the empire uh, vied for control. And in one year, there was four emperors. Or you could say in 18 months, there were six, including Nero. So anyway, um, so was one of them Liz Truss? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's sort of a period in Rome that is, for me, you know, among one of my favourite episodes because right. it is so sort of extreme. Yes. Um, but there are, we have got all sorts on there. Even um, for Rome. So um, one of my other favourite ones was we talked about uh, Tacit- Tacitus's Germania, an ancient historian called Tacitus, living in the age of sort of Trajan times. Um, is that where we get about the, the Germans? From? Sorry, is that I, where no, we... I don't. No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Um, and he wrote a book about the Germans, right? Called the the Germania or the Germania, right? Uh, which survives to this day. It talks all describes the ancient Germans. Um, that was one of my favourite ones. What, what what did he say about the German? We have to be careful because I, I referred to the um, the survey results earlier, and um, one of the one of the comments on why people unsubscribed was because of your German racism. Really? What? I thought we did enough. To be honest, but huh. we've got to step up our game. Yes. So, so what, what what did Tacticus say about the Germans? Then, um, well, a number of things. Uh, one of the main things is that they they're a wellspring of people that are sort of 
undiluted by foreigners. Oh, right. You can, you, well, that aged badly, didn't it? <laughs> That's one of the things he said. Also, um, they're, they're very noble. They don't really need many laws because they just naturally tell the truth and things. So, so that is um, still true. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're sort of very big and extremely barbaric in terms of sort of military prowess. Um, yeah. So it's actually a How mixture of we things um, that are both good and bad. Um, right. But you have to watch, have to watch the episode. Yeah. Uh, become a subscriber and then yeah, watch no the No spoilers. Um, uh, so yeah, oh, you can see on the side they also recently did one about um, uh, the war of the Spanish succession and the war of the Austrian succession. And coming up next, this coming Sunday is the Seven Years' War. Those last two feature oh. Frederick the Great. Um, so again, very very Germanic. So maybe there is a a bit of a a, a bent towards Germanness. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, if, if if you're doing history and history tends towards wars, I mean, you be hard pressed to leave them out, wouldn't you? We also did one on um, the the war on the Eastern Front, the Battle of Kursk. Um, so there are a few sort of World War Two things, yeah. a few World War One ones. Usually every November on Armistice Day, I do something in and around World War One yeah. um, as well. Well, and they were fighting the Romans as well. I mean, they've, they've, they've clearly got a bit of a bit of a bolshy side to them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, um, it's coming up next. Other things we want to do. Um, we're going to do Wellington as soon as Carl comes back. Oh. Um, or could you scroll back up a bit there? Oh, there you go. Uh, I'm going to do a series on T.E. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia, the uncrowned oh, king right. of Mecca. Yes. Um, so going to going to do one all about all about that. Uh, Carl wants to do one about the, the 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 wars of the civil wars of Marius and Sulla, which are the Roman civil wars just before the age of Caesar. Um, and where Carl and I, right at the beginning of my history bro career, we did some long ones on Hannibal and. Alexander, and we're going to redo sort of, you know, re uh, look at those for for epochs. Um, but also very soon, again, when Carl comes back from the United States, we're going to do a quite a long. It's going to have to be a whole series on the Iliad. Maybe Ooh, get hope, hope to get Stelios in on it yes. as well, being a, a Greek man. Yes, be really helpful. Uh, Stelios, Greek? Greek? <laughs> yeah. No way. What? You didn't know. <laughs> what? Um, and then it follows on from that to do the Odyssey, and then maybe Virgil's. Aeneid after so there's a whole lot there and uh, one other thing to say uh, I'm going to do a series at some point on uh, the, the turtles the Teenage Mutant, Mutant Ninja Turtles but what That's I mean a bit is, left of field well no the actual how, how real life flow directly in from the Iliad and the Odyssey well when I say the turtles what I really mean is the real histories of the life of Leonardo Michelangelo Raphael and Donatello oh okay uh, Vasari yeah, yeah. Um, wrote well, the, the cartoons lives. were based on right. yeah but, uh, uh, an Italian man who, uh, who yeah. lived at the time uh, wrote uh, or just after wrote biographies of them all, um, so I'd quite like to do a series of four there because they are also interesting lives. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Sort of true geniuses, certainly in the case of Leonardo and Michelangelo. Anyway, yes, definitely excellent. Right now, um, we, we we better do a segue because we're going to need we're going to have a new cycle. I'm going to quickly go to up. the toilet because I'm two uh, beers down. All right, yeah, I'll yeah, be yeah. back. <laughs> you, 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 I mean, you, you just, just you just go. go I, I won't be missed for well, two we minutes. Don't, we don't need no, you. No, it's all right. We we, we 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 cover for you. We we won't mention anything. We 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 can edit this in when we get when we get the new batch of Utahs. Right. Um, <laughs> you have to be nice. very polite. You have to be nice and they're potential subscribers. So uh, yes, right. Um. There's no way they could go and check this record, is there? Well, uh, right. It, <laughs> if you were a Utard and then and then you signed up, you are now you were never a Utard. That's how it works. 
Ah, okay. Yes, We're going yes. back like Stalin and changing the record. Uh, yes, but yes, yes. Like Dan like, Stalin. Like so, all right. The boss man is on holiday for a couple of uh, couple of weeks, and while he's gone, we hacked his computer and we've set up this new code, which is uh, Sargon. Uh, and now, if you put that in, you're going to get fifty percent off um, any tier on the website, where there's lots of fascinating stuff. And we've been having a bit of a bit of a thing this week, where we talk about um, some of the um, exciting, interesting, engaging people. But we've also got to cover Harry. Harry, what is it that uh, what is it that you do for us? Uh, well, I do plenty of things mm. actually. Uh, thank you for asking. Yeah. I do Comics Corner with wow. Connor, which is a not a weekly series; it's a monthly series for those who are slightly more patient of our subscribers. It's more, uh, I like to think it's got a bit more prestige to it that way, a bit of Premier a, it's, plus, pr it's for the yes. patrician viewers, right. really, if we think about it. So you're an economist, yes. you know, or know, know the economics of it. So you understand supply and demand. The less there is of something to the greater demand, the more Scarcity, valuable it is. That's right. In, in value, the marginal yes. utility of an episode of Comics Corner, to my mind, is far right. greater than the marginal utility of, say, a Brokenomics. <laughs> I'll segue into a different question. Right. So, so what? What, 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 what does what does Comics Corner uh, teach us? Like, for example, if if I were what's this, would I would I know if Spider Man could beat a Space Marine? Um, <laughs> I don't think I've read that particular story. Right, uh, so we've no, not, I just made it up. We've not we've not actually covered Spider Man. Oh, um, okay. Uh, because Connor and I due to yeah. our prejudices, have primarily covered a lot of DC comics up until this point. I thought, uh, the I only... thought DC was... the. Josh has returned. Hello. Wasn't Hello. DC the rubbish one and the Marvel the good one? I mean, it depends entirely on your opinion, okay. really, doesn't well, it? I'm, I'm uh, if you're thinking... talking about the films, then yes. for a long time people said that DC was the rubbish one, Marvel was the good one. But I think right. now we're all in perfect agreement that they're both absolute rubbish and you shouldn't pay attention yes. to either of them. Uh, well, the, just, just, just want to preface this by saying, uh, Connor and I covering comics does not in any way suggest to anybody watching either this video or the series that you should go out and buy any modern comics being produced by Image, Marvel, or DC. Every single one of them is absolute dribble being poured down your ear, trying to propagandize and brainwash you. Same with the films; they're all crap. Don't watch them. So, so, so that was yeah. So that was basically going to be my next question because. Obviously, when the films started coming out, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll check out the source material. Mm. And, and there was a big comic shop in, in, in town. And you go and buy the comic, and it's like, what the hell is this? Well, that's, that's one of the big problems, really, with trying to get into comic books. The reason that Connor and I yeah. um, are into them, I, I, I can't really speak for Connor, but I can speak for myself. You're right there, Josh. <laughs> oh, no, it's a disaster. Look at what's going on. We're, we're supposed Sorry. to make two beers we're down. We're maintaining the happened. standards while the boss man is away. There are no standards, Dan. No, good, no, now look at you, oh, yeah, but I'm, I'm like foraging squirrels. God, good God. <laughs> All right, so, yes, uh, comic books, uh, f for me, were something that was more of a product of the time that I grew up in that I got into them, because when I was much younger, it was very popular. You first had the first wave of comic book films come out, like the original X-Men films, and you still had a lot of the television programs from the 90s, like the X-Men TV series, the Spider-Man like Spider yeah. TV series, even reruns of the old Batman animated series, always being on TV on the cartoon Banana Man. network. <laughs> um, I, that, that sounds like something very different. No, that's, that, that, that's no, more that, your wheelhouse, I'm that, sure. That was a thing people will remember. All right, probably. When Eric eats a banana, an amazing transformation occurs. 
But it, that just sounds like a rip-off of Popeye. Yeah, Eric is Banana Man. It must, be, <laughs> it must be before your time. He said it doesn't sound anywhere near as good as Danger Mouse, if you ask me, but still. Danger Mouse was, yes, yeah, Danger and, Mouse. Yeah, that yeah. was great, yeah, it was when, David Jason. But when I, was, when I was growing up, you used to go into the news agents, and I think you still can, and you'll get comic books there uh, where they'll print different versions from the ones that you can find in normal comic shops, more for mass consumption. And they had like the Ultimate series from Marvel, so you'd have these enormous printed versions of the Ultimate Spider-Man comics that I used to read all the time. I used to get those, uh, and I was like six at the time, so when eventually, as all comics do, they reveal themselves to not really be for kids anymore, and a character gets horribly raped, murdered in some brutal way, or burnt to a crisp right there and then, and I'm like, Mom, Dad, this is this isn't what I thought it would be. But still, you know, comics like. That's dark, isn't it? Uh, ever since around the 1970s. Oh, hang on. If you're a superhero, why would you get raped? I mean, you're... <laughs> I don't think it's the superhero, su- typically. I'm trying to think, actually. You're that super, then, are you? Uh, that has happened a few are times. Are Russell Brand's lawyer? Well, in, 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 the <laughs> yes. early t- in the early 2000s, for instance, there was some ridiculous Spider-Man t- uh, stories going on where like Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin, was revealed to have had sex with and fathered an un, uh, like a, a bastard child with Gwen Stacy, Spider-Man's original girlfriend who died and was replaced did, with Mary Did these Jane. allegations come out at the time, or was it like 11 years later this, when this the Green were, Goblin came this out this against story, this, this story was about 30 years after the death of Gwen yeah. Stacy. So you've got, so, you got a question, why wait 30 years to bring it forward? I mean, these are fictional stories. Well, these are the allegations. Since, since, not necessarily since about the 1970s, comic books started to get darker and darker and darker. The original right. run of DC and Marvel before, well, DC because Marvel only really became Marvel in the 1960s. But DC had um, what's called, I think it's the, the golden age in the 1930s and 1940s when you had superheroes like Batman and Superman first emerge. And they were much darker back then. Superman less so, but Batman, uh, contrary well, he, to popular well, early understanding, Superman was was like that. He wasn't dark, but he was he was like a, a bit darker than you would get in the really cartoony era in the nineteen mid nineteen fifties and nineteen sixties when the comics code began to be applied to a lot of comic books. And in fact, you can watch that on the two parter that Connor and I did on the history of superhero comics, where we covered all the way going back from the late 1800s and French comic books that were being spread around at that time. And then in the second series, when we go up to the more recent era I know that's a bit of a tangent, but if you go back to the previous link, John, Oh yeah, um, that gentleman in black and white looks almost identical to Report of the Week. The the, the food reviewer is is spot on. Interestingly, I think one of the things that Connor and I contribute to this is, uh, well, for, for one, this was... Connor's baby was the, um, the the part one and two of the history of superhero comics. Connor has, for a very long time, had a gigantic chronology of comic books that he's been trying to sort out, specifically with DC, because that's his favorite one. So this was a, a labor of love for him. But we also add greater uh, cultural and societal context into it as well. So for instance, the Comics Code Authority, which came in in the 1950s, to regulate and censor a lot of comic books and was complete nonsense because a lot of the goals that it was aiming for, you could say, would actually be somewhat virtuous in trying to prevent um, uh, cultural subversion by people, but were pushed by the sorts of people who, say, for instance, saw that Batman had an adopted son as a sidekick and looked and went, gay, obviously noncing that young boy, despite there being no indication whatsoever, kind of deranged and subversive and very suspicious mindset that sees 
a man and his adopted son and assumes that one must be buggering the other at some yeah, but point. Wh why would he make him dress up in tights? A superhero outfit. Right. You're not supposed to think yeah, they're like that green deep tights. into that particular logic. Or right. well, do you think anybody in green tights is automatically being buggered? Yes. Did something happen? To, did you have to wear green tights at any point in your youth, Dan? Is that no, Josh? You're the therapist here. I think we've got. <laughs> I'm a, not a therapist, but sure. We've, we've got a subject here for you. What do you think of when you think of green tights, Dan? Well, I, <laughs> I Dan, I think you're going off of more you, recent you, you, cultural you, you, memes that have been propagated purely you can't, you because can't, what? You of can't... the strange opinions propagated by the people who put these ideas forward in the first place. The sort of person... Oh, call up a bloody image of Robin from, from the original Batman and tell me well, that, I don't want that, the is, desk. that is raging masculinity. Okay, if that happens and the desk lifts and elevates slightly, I'm going to be very suspicious right, move on, here. Move on, next one, next one. <laughs> what I'm saying is the person who was involved in that, there was a very interesting connection because if you're aware of Alfred Kinsey, which I'm sure anybody here, you are aware of Alfred Kinsey, right? He was one of the guys who propagated the sexual revolution uh, he had a book in the 19, late 1940s and then a follow-up in the 1950s that insinuated that he that half of all American males were homosexual and were just repressing it, uh, like something right. ridiculous, like 60% of them had been cheating on all of their wives. With I'm going to channel my inner men. football hooligan and say, pedo. Yeah, and uh, also re researched the sexuality of young boys. And it turned out that in doing the research, one, he'd been interviewing a lot of prison populations of men who were in prison and presumably if they had wanted a sexual outlet and they were only surrounded by other men had to express it in a very particular way which is where he suddenly got that 50% of all American men are gay that's a from. very curious choice of sample that seems yes. deliberate to me because any any person who's involved in research with half a brain would know that going to a prison population isn't necessarily a very repre representative sample of the entirety of the population, is it? Yes. He, and he should uh, have chosen somewhere more neutral, like a I don't know, Catholic church or something. <laughs> he'd also... Uh, the same result. Also filled with poofters. Um, he'd also been going around asking an actual paedophile about his... Uh, and had a very, very infamous table in one of the works on the amount of um, uh, satisfaction... So how does somebody to comics... Uh, because of the fact that the sort of person who was involved in the Comics Code Authority in promoting these standards in comics was related to ah, so professionally did he, did he related to Alfred Kinsey back then. Yes, it was captured from a very very early time back in the 1950s, and that's one of the interesting uh. things is that superhero comics for a very long time have been a conduit and medium through which liberal propaganda can be put out there essentially. I'm a person who really enjoys old superhero comics and I enjoy the stories of them. But I think one of the things that I've discovered going through a lot of these old series is just how deep a lot of this has been from a very, from a very young age. Because, of course, if you're a, a parent and you get your kids a comic book every week or every month, uh, you mainly just worry, is there inappropriate material in it that would mean too violent or too much sex? Yes. These old comic books from back then wouldn't have had that much stuff like that in it, but there would have been much more subversive and difficult ah. to spot so messaging for them. Is, is the Comics Corner actually about cultural subversion? Uh, uh, sort of Unintentionally. Record? At first it was just because Connor and I wanted to talk about comic books and a series and we really enjoyed doing that. But as we've been going through, we've been discovering 
rediscovering that a lot of the series that both of us and the stories that both of us enjoyed when we were younger right. either just weren't as good as we remember although some of them some of them mm. are for instance the long halloween batman batman is an interesting case here because the very nature of batman's character is such that it's very difficult to write a left-wing batman story mm. it's really difficult and writers have struggled to do it for years and failed constantly because he is somebody fighting against the entropy of Gotham and to reestablish order in the face of chaos, which is I, exemplified. I, you could get a left wing like Batman if his parents died in a famine. That would work. <laughs> w- would that work though? <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, to be fair, there is one story we've not covered it, but it's called Bat- uh, Superman Red Sun, where um, the, it's a, a Elseworlds story where Superman landed in the USSR instead of uh, America and became basically the Soviet man. And, Connor actually told me about yeah. this. Before. And Batman in that story is an anti-Soviet subversive agent trying to bring down the communist world order. It, 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 could have yes. been, it, it could have been worse. He could have just landed in LA or something. <laughs> yeah, instead of Kansas. Yeah, San, San Francisco. And he would have... Can you imagine what Superman would be like? He, yeah. One of the commenters Probably has said modern. his parents died on January 6th. <laughs> Ashley well Babbitt? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, she was, was the only that. one, right? Lord Inquisitor Hector Rex said that, so thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So um, there, there's obviously there's different elements of comic book stories that we can take and examine, and right. not all of them are going to be this way, but it seems that quite a few of them, also primarily because a lot of comic book writers are massive leftists. Like one of the most famous yes. writers out there from comic books, he wrote Watchmen, Batman Killing Joke, lots of other series that are very uh, very well known, like V for Vendetta. Yes. Alan Moore is fat communist Hagrid. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've seen it, a picture of him. He does look like that. He's, he's honestly quite a revolting man who accidentally stumbled on a few stories and wrote a few stories in the 1980s that were genius and absolutely brilliant. And I can't really deny that. But then he writes a character like Rorschach from Watchmen, who is the quintessential reactionary character, and then complains that everybody related to him and thought that he was the hero the entire way through. And now, as a result, I believe the most recent news story I've seen regarding Alan Moore is that he's planning on donating all the money that he made from film adaptations of his work to BLM. I mean... Honestly, BLM have already been known for about two, two and a half years to be even more so than we already knew they when they first came out. A bunch of mansions yeah. the two we already knew that they were a grift, Alan. Maybe you should look into that before you give them money because you're just buying them more mansions. But anyway. Oh, well. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, it does what, what, seem what? like a, a total boomer. Oh, he's worse. He's, like, he's an actual communist. I was going to say, I've watched Watchmen, the film, and the only character, well, not the only character, but the character I sort of sympathised with the most was Rorschach. Rorschach. Yeah, ev- everybody does. Well, that's interesting because the film adaptation of it by Zack Snyder tr- <laughs> is accidentally not subversive in the way that the comic book is because Zack Snyder, being um, a more, si- not not simple-minded, but not... <laughs> not as willing to deep dive into these. He's the sort of guy who'll write something and film something just because he looks at it and goes, that's really cool. Um, saw Rorschach he, he and went... this level yeah. message, not the subversion level. Yes, and he went, right. Rorschach's really cool <laughs> and just made him really cool. He was my f- base, actually. Yeah, yeah. In, in the film. Would you ever do anything on 2000 AD? Did you ever read 2000 AD? I really want to. Because I was never really... I was not really into any of the, the American DC stuff, but I did 
read a fair bit of 2000 AD, you know, Judge Dredd and yeah. Rogue Trooper. And I really stuff. do want to cover some Judge Dredd at some point soon because we are very um, US-centric with the sorts of comics that we cover, even if the writers, some of them are Scottish and English from the, uh, from the British invasion from the 80s. I still want to focus on some of these old English comic books as well because 2000 AD is really cool. Is Judge Dredd an English character? Yeah, 2000 AD are a British imprint. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I think a lot of people just assume that he's American, but he's a British yes. character originally. Well, what the character? Well, well, I, in origin of the people who wrote it. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. 2080. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know I that. Say, Mega City One's not supposed to be in Hampshire or anything, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Although it's feeling more and more like it could be. <laughs> it, it could be Portsmouth. <laughs> yeah, when when we get the uh, South East London Super State. Yes. In the Isn't corner it, of England. Uh, I remember reading somewhere that there's a sort of colloquialism that Portsmouth is actually one of the most densely built up places, like city wise. It, it, it is. Portsmouth. I, Portsmouth I don't really has, remember it very well. Yeah. The, the, the stat that um, I always remember for Portsmouth is that um, Portsmouth residents have a greater linear frontage of motor car than they do of house. Blimey. Because basically they've, they've, they've pretty much all got two cars, and two cars is wider than the average house in Portsmouth. So. I mean, so if you're what? fat in Portsmouth, yeah, Portsmouth is just impossible. Right, so to this drive. is like the opposite problem that I have going into old houses where all the door frames are too short for me. <laughs> so this yeah. is this is they're just too wide. So city density goes like Tokyo, Hong Kong, Mexico City, Portsmouth. Yeah, so <laughs> okay. Well, well, I, I, I didn't know that. Field. It's, yeah. it's basically you something. It's basically day, just folks. It, I, I don't know about the people, but it's just impossible to drive to. <laughs> just impossible. I've heard that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I try to avoid driving in European and British cities as much as possible anyway, because they are not yeah. built for cars yeah. in the slightest. What, what, what's, what's the next one then? What's so the next one was Kingdom Come and this... No, 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 go back, oh, go. John. So Kingdom Come is a very famous comic book from the 1990s that was kind of a commentary on a lot of the trends that were going on at the time. When I talk about how comics these days have a lot of very, very dark subject matter, it's more comics from the 90s and mid uh, early to mid 2000s that went really dark because nowadays you just have complete s-libs yes. writing all of them so wokey left was it corrupt leftist propaganda in the 90s as well um not quite as blatant and with more of an eye on trying to tell a, a coherent story but all of the messaging is still there it was more trying to uphold and propagate the uh liberal order of that time, which is more to be expected given the fact that I can't a lot even of... remember what the liberal talking points in the 90s were. I mean, there's a little bit of climate change, but uh, it was all right, the 90s. Well, watch the video to find ah, out what right. exactly it is. Also, watch the video because in it, um, Connor kind of fills in some of the gaps that were left out of the history of comics because this one came first where he spoke more about 90s comics. And if you look at that thumbnail there, you see that image. That's Captain America. And he doesn't have a gigantic tumour sticking out of his chest. He looks like Elon Musk yeah. there, doesn't he? That was the kind of art style that a lot of comics had in the 1990s. And that was a particularly infamous one done by an artist called Rob Liefeld, who was known for creating the most grotesquely musculatured car, um, car, uh, comic book characters ever, and also couldn't draw feet. So you would get this, but then there would never be a shot that shows the full body, so you can see the tiny, tiny little like pointed toes that he would give these people. Uh, but That's like a beer belly moved up, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think it's based on um, an Arnold Schwarzenegger picture from when Arnold Schwarzenegger was still p- competing in bodybuilding in the 1970s. He had a pair but, of beer breasts, apparently. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger had an enormous chest. Oh, well, yeah, he didn't look like that, though, did he? Yeah, yeah but yeah, that was a particularly strange <laughs> uh, version of that. But you got all, a lot of this art. You got the really edgy comics coming through where you'd have uh, characters called things like Extreme with an X at the beginning and a hyphen That's and then Treme. really poorly. That sort of 90s naming convention where it'd be like um, a Z on the end of something and it'd just be a regular word. So let, oh, let me see. So it rubs me the wrong I'm way. I'm just getting some examples up. So Rob Liefeld himself wrote a series called Young Blood where you had characters called things like Bad Rock, Riptide, Shaft, Shadowhawk, Shaft, Pro- Professor Knight, and these aren't even some good. These aren't even the best. Uh, the best ones. You characters called Die Hard, things like that. Just like movie names, extreme. You wanted everything to be cool and extreme. And Kingdom Come was uh, a commentary on that style of comic that was coming out at the time. And then we've also spread out into not just covering Western American comics. Like for instance, we did. The fifth episode was actually on the film trilogy of Unbreakable Split and Glass, the M. Night Shyamalan film trilogy. Now, I know that his name in, among some circles of the culture is a little bit of a meme because, admittedly, he has made some absolutely terrible films in his time. And in fact, about 10 minutes near the beginning of this was me dissecting and absolutely demolishing the most recent film of his that had come out at the time called Knock at the Cabin, mm. which was absolute rubbish. Uh, uh, but this trilogy was that the crop circle one no that's signs that's 20 years old then oh okay (laughs) I enjoyed that film though I've not seen it Um, but the 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 series is both a superhero film series and also a commentary on the power of comic books to inspire people at the same time so we thought it would be appropriate to do so and also rehabilitate the third part of the film series Glass somewhat because a lot of people hate that I hated it the first time I saw it but I thought it was okay watching it again I thought it held up much better than I originally thought it did and once again we were able to extract some story beats and elements from it that I don't think we were expecting to like a commentary on the uh, pathologizing of the exceptional in the modern era where the sorts of people that we're talking about in the previous segment when we're talking about the kinds of men who went out and did great things the great individuals these days are pathologized from a young age. If you're a young man that shows any level exceptionalism in your life, you're immediately thrown off to the side and kind of fenced in where you're told that you've either got something wrong with you, you're majorly autistic, you need to take ADHD medication, all of this. All things that might actually, from a medical point, be true, but also might be good for them in the future to be able to go out and achieve things. You're basically just pathologizing masculine behavior at this point. Yes. I like when you said that. You said exceptional men looked at Bo, and then you said might be autistic and looked at me. <laughs> You're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> hey, some say it's the next stage of evolution. Not, I have not. heard that before. Yeah, I think that was the Predator film from 2017 that said that. Wasn't that, wasn't that X-Men? <laughs> no. <laughs> that is in there. Isn't it? No, I, don't sure it was. I don't think it's the point... It's a theme in it. I don't think the point... Mutant, yeah, so. no, the point of X-Men is they're all like potentially the next stage of evolution, not that right. they're all autistic. They're all really good at math. So a realistic version of X-Men is just all on 4chan all day long. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. <laughs> I mean, the powers of 4chan surpass the X-Men at this point, I reckon. Yes, that's true. They've, they've delivered more sort of actual miracles, haven't they? Yes. Right. And then we've also gone into, and this is somewhat of a controversial area among the right wing, 
is we have taken a look at one particular Japanese comic series called Berserk, which is absolutely fantastic, a brilliant series and brilliant storytelling, which far surpasses most of every Western comic I've ever read. But some suggest that by virtue, purely virtue of it being Japanese, that it should just be immediately dismissed and said it's subversive, it's disgusting, it's degenerate. It's not. The same thing with comic books being a medium through which you can tell stories, and those stories can have good values or bad values, good storytelling or bad storytelling, applies similarly to the sorts of media that comes from Japan. And I think that there is a sort of knee-jerk reaction that a lot of right-wingers, particularly those who are terminally online, have when they react to uh, Japanese media. Because manga, anime, all of it is a medium through which to tell stories. There are tropes yes. that you can have on those that you might find distasteful, but those tropes aren't going to be found in every piece of media, and you should judge the media itself on the quality of the storytelling and the themes held within. So that's my little piece there for anybody. Who so the title of this one is The Black Swordsman and the Golden Age. So is the sword black or is the, is the person wielding the sword black? Uh, the main character is Guts. He is the black swordsman. He dresses right. primarily in black with right. black cape and black armor. And also his sword is one that's been very, very influential because it's an enormous sword that's uh, not, not this big. But obviously imagine, imagine you're reading the comic and it's there, the sword is about that big on the comic page. So it's, it's right. enormous. It's that about, seems impractical. It's about, well, he's strong enough that he can deal with it, and it's been very right. influential on it's other... compensating. Yeah. Right, yeah, it feels <laughs> like... It, it's, um, it's, uh, this, this was one that I really enjoyed doing. It was very popular because people were asking for us to cover something like Berserk, and I've been reading it over the past year or so, so found it was a really good opportunity to talk about. It was one of the most popular episodes that we've done so far. And for anybody who did watch it, and if you haven't, you should by subscribing to the website Sargon twenty uh, Sargon with an E, yeah, with a with an E at the end, fifty percent yes. discount because because he, he's on holiday for the next. There he is, weeks. right there. Look at him, yes. our Lord and Savior, yes. the man who will save the West. Um, so while he's away, get fifty percent off. Yes, and uh, look out for the next episode of Comics Corner because we might be doing a follow up because there is a lot of berserk the story and a lot of it is very very worth covering. So. That's uh, something that I really enjoyed doing. Excellent. Check that out. Uh, should, we go to, should we go to videos? Yes. Yes. Let's do that. So since we want to talk about basic recipes from our respective countries, um, the beans on toast thing got me kind of hungry, so I just made some slow cooker pulled chicken. Normally you do pulled pork with uh, barbecue sauce. So that's what I'm going to have for dinner today. Nothing fancy about it, but really good and a homemade treat. And I am going to give uh, English breakfast a good, honest go. So look forward to that. Thank you. My first thought on that is that looks gross, but a few seconds in, I decided it looked delicious. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, at, at first glance, it's gross, but then you realize that's pulled pork. Yeah, pulled it's probably really nice. That's that yeah. that pulled chicken, pork, that one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right, what, what's this one about? Okay, here we have a bongo you can enter and a very young soldier. Okay, let's go inside. Du, 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 du. The Nazi bunker? office is here, and with the office, we of course have a Nazi. Actually, we have two additional Nazis. <laughs> this is fun. They seem like friendly enough chaps to me. <laughs> so hang on, am I to understand correctly that in, in Denmark they have Nazi theme parks where it's men's jobs to dress up in a Nazi uniform and just sit around talking German? Where do I sign up? <laughs> 
Looks like but, they're drinking wine that, as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, these men must get funny looks on the bus on their way to work. Well, I assume you can get changed <laughs> at work. They take their job very seriously, Harry. They they walk to work in the oh, uniform. Okay. They're very they're, proud. They're, uh, they're, it's, it's Hugo maybe Boss. they get a staff car. <laughs> we have uh, battle reenactment people, actual military LARPers, don't we? Right. And someone turns up as the Nazis. Fair point. Um, yeah, I don't know if we've recreated the actual video bunker. Have we got any more videos? Yeah, Sasuke to the Lotus Since I quit my public sector job, I've been temporarily living in Greece with my girlfriend, and it's been interesting to say the least. While here, it was brought to my attention by my girlfriend that a fertility clinic in Crete was raided by police because it was a front for a human trafficking organisation. There's a lot to go through, so I'll just give you some links so you can check it up in your own time. Apparently, the head was a respected medical professional. Trust the experts, eh? Anyway, something to let you know about. Paracolo Ifilimo. I remember you mentioning that in the gold tier Zoom call, actually. And um, yeah, it, it's unsurprising, really, that these sort of gateways into Europe are taking advantage of the huge wave of migration and uh, they're capitalizing on it by making money. Like, this is what happens when you have these huge waves of migrants. It's not that they find a better life, it's that they get their organs harvested and, you know, they get. Yeah. The baby's taken away and all sorts of stuff. That's a bit rough. Right. What's the next one? Hello, everyone. I'm taking a pretty big vacation to the UK, and I wanted to share some pictures I've taken and some observations I've had. First and second day, I left the airport and headed to Winchester to see the Great Hall and some other things. First of all, the food is phenomenal. Everyone who accuses your food of being bland is lying to themselves. Yes. The meats and breads are of high quality and don't need the massive amount of spices many people like to put on their food. Also, because it's a meme, I had some beans on toast, and it was great. Well, hey, there you go. You are now honorarily a British citizen now, after and, saying that. Yeah, that's, and, and well that's done for right. going to Winchester. Winchester is the true capital of England, by it the way. It is lovely. It is, yes. I, I, I am unironically a, a Wessex nationalist. I want just to spit off and become Wessex again. The kingdom of Wessex. I, want I don't like that Anglo-Saxon so nonsense. Oh, you, you can have Mercia. Yeah. Celts. Yes. Anglo-Saxon invaders don't recognise them. Yes, just because they're old migrants doesn't mean they're good. What, what ancient kingdom are you from, Bo? Uh, what would it be? Uh, somewhere where the Iceni ancient. Yes. Um, if, yeah. if, if, yeah. if I'm Wessex, it would nurse be, you, and, and he's I'll called. I'll be the. Uh, yeah, just, well, it, was, it was still the Dumnonii. Like Kent, yeah. Wessex. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah there. Kent. Yeah. yeah, that's that's an old kingdom, right? Guys. You are more than welcome to come to Australia. You can come and stay with me. Check out this wonderful view. And there aren't really all that many dangerous spiders where I live. They're just big and annoying and stupid. But check out. It does look lovely. Check out that. It does. Come on, Callum. Come to Australia. Come hang out with me. <laughs> oh, Callum's not here. We don't know where he's gone. Yeah, he's to, away again. To be fair, I I used to be scared of all of the dangerous stuff that lives in um, Australia. I'm now far more concerned about their police like choking you because you haven't worn a mask or something. So, I do want to go to Australia. Although it's yeah. not just the spiders I'm scared of. My missus, mum's from Australia. And when she lived there <laughs> younger, she said you used to just open cupboards and it wouldn't be a spider. There'd just be a scorpion there. And that spooks me. Yes. I don't mind scorpions nearly as much as spiders. I don't know what it is because they're, they're in the same sort of family, aren't they? 
Well, it's, I'd be more scared of being killed by scorpion venom spider. Scorpion feels more crushable. Like you feel like you could but take on a flying wing. Man. Exactly. As long as, as long as you saw it coming, where spiders, they're, they're flighty little. Yeah, well, a scorpion, you know which direction it's yes. facing. A spider can go in Mono any direction. direction. Yes. It's the eight legs mm. and the multiple eyes. Scorpion, you know what you're dealing with, don't you? Yes, right. <laughs> Next. Welcome back to Lotus Drinkers. Uh, let's get into the booze. This is Nobody Expects a Spanish Inquisition. It's an eight-year-old member's room exclusive. It's a cheeky 67.5% or 579 bottles of it made. That's what's neat. Nice. That wasn't selling it, <laughs> saying it under, under bait. You need breath. to get in on that, Dan. Was that whiskey, was it? It was, yeah. yeah. I, I don't like Named it. after Monty Python as well, isn't it? Uh, I, I like Monty mead. Monty Python skit. Mead is good. Yeah, mead's nice. I like Having it. had a bit more of that recently. I like all alcohol. That's my... my <laughs> you like what? Contribution. You like, I like it all. Oh, you like it all? Josh yeah. is going to take all of this once we're done. <laughs> have, have, yeah. have, you tried, have you tried mead yet? I have, yeah. Um, lovely. I had mead at his birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone sent us a bottle in, didn't they? Yeah, some it's nice stuff. I've had a couple of kinds of needs before. Yeah, someone sent. A oh well, I'll be having that then. <laughs> I think it's all been drank by oh, Carl actually. Oh. Oh. finished it off in the lads' hour. The oh. last one. Okay. Uh, where he's gone now? He's just wandered off. That's where he's coming to. I think. Have we, have we got time for comments, John? We've got like, can we go till extra ten minutes, John? All right. Let's. Let, 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 Oh, okay, right. Let, let's do a, a couple of quick ones. Well, we just we just do the top ones. Um, sounds like more lads uh, hour style content. Loving the laid back content so far. Good, it's working. Dan's looking like everyone's favourite supply teacher. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Better control your class while boss man is away and enjoy the piss up chaps you earned. It. Oh, he, yeah, he, he brought it back with that comment, didn't he? Uh, this will be interesting. I don't mind learning more about the hosts. Uh, it's sure better than the daily black pills. Also. Bo is definitely enigmatic. Wee. Yes, I, I picked that very carefully. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Shadowy, dark figure. <laughs> uh, lots of other good comments. We have to read them in our own time. Right. Uh, thanks very much. And um, see you tomorrow when we'll be talking about, you know, sort of, I don't know, whatever we're going to talk about then. <laughs>